Welcome to Soccer 101, the podcast where we tackle the fundamentals of the beautiful game. Soccer is partisan in its nature, and most of us develop our appreciation of the sport through a love for a particular team. But how do you pick your team? Why is my team great and why does your team suck? Why do we develop (laughs) such deep feelings for an arbitrary team of athletes wearing one particular crest on their shirts? We're going to be answering those questions, we being myself, Ryan Bailey, and Mr. Taylor Rockwell. Hey, buddy. Good to talk to you. You too, sir. Also here, Joe Lowry. Hello, Joe. Hello, Ryan. And rounding out the pack, the man with the most shirts in the world, Graham Rutherford. <laughs> Hello, Ryan. Is this a podcast where we get to tell people what to do? Uh, because if so, I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> it is. Strap in, listener. You're about to get some rules laid upon you. No, just kidding. We're just going to discuss uh, how one picks a soccer team and sort of the uh, the accoutrements around that, Graham. I'll start off by saying, by the way, that in my opinion, liking a team is dumb. It's completely (laughs) arbitrary that we pick a team over another, is it not? Maybe we pick it geographically, maybe we pick it for some of the reasons we're going to outline later on in this podcast. But in most cases, we're just following a business. The players change constantly, they have no loyalty to the team, and you know we support teams quite often nowhere near where we even live. None of it makes sense, Taylor. Why are we doing this? What's the point of anything? It's weird. It's weird to ask a person who grew up a soccer fan versus a person who grew up a fan of another sport, because I think a lot of Americans would say, yeah, that is kind of dumb, because if you're a Chiefs fan, chances are you grew up in the Kansas City metropolitan area, be it Kansas or Missouri. But I, I think that, and so there is a, a resonance to the entire city getting behind a team. There is something to that. There is this like collective unity that a team is supposed to represent. And I think that is what Like Manchester United represents to certain parts of Manchester, maybe Manchester City to other parts of Manchester. Uh, But it's going to be different if you're watching it, say, at a bar in Virginia. Uh, Then you're going to have a different relationship to it. And so in some ways it is odd. But I think the I always enjoy the just the collective spirit and the sort of soccer as the international language, as cliche as that may be. You run into another Man United fan around the world or a U.S. national team fan around the world, you're going to kind of instantly have a foundation for a conversation. And I think that's always something I appreciate. Yeah, Ryan, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. If you strip it back, it's always some sort of uh, tenuous link that made you, yep. you know, even if it's geography, is, is really that, is that, that strong of a link to start supporting a team? And I, I think uh, one thing I'd say is if you're listening to this and you are looking to pick a team to support, don't feel like you need some deep, profound reason to find one. As I say, the truth is most football fans started supporting their club for a tenuous reason. Yeah, it might have been passed down by a family member, but I know plenty of fans who started supporting their teams because they liked a player or even because they liked the colours of the kits, which is, by the way, the right way to pick a, a team to support. <laughs> and yeah, it's not really about how you picked a team to support. It's about, for me anyway, it's about what comes after that and the emotional yep. connection you establish from that point on. Um, how, you, how you start off doesn't really matter all that much to me yep. anyway. I think we've cut to the core of it already. We're a couple of minutes in, gents, that soccer is about a community and communal experience. Jaws isn't about a shark. Soccer isn't about the soccer. I think we've already got there. Um, so why don't we go around the hall and start off and uh, discuss how we picked our teams. Taylor Rockwell, how did you come to be a fan of Manchester United mm-hmm. Football Club? 
Yeah. So to Graham's point, it is a little bit arbitrary. And I think all of the explanations end up being a bit tenuous. For me, there were a couple of things. Uh, when I first like wanted to watch more soccer, it was hard to do. Uh, I think you could get like VHS tapes of certain competitions and goals. You could... Uh, maybe go to a nascent internet and find stuff, but even then I was a little bit young for that. So, uh, PBS would show highlight packages from games, and that was where I would usually watch Manchester United because they were good at that time. And that is PBS? sort of the answer is basically, I, I think they were very good, and that was the thing that a 12 year old me was into. And then the other one, that is part of it is the Richmond Kickers, our local team, were coached by Dennis Violette at the time. He was a former Manchester United player. He changed the team from like green and blue as their colors to red, white, and black for obvious reasons. And so there was that level of connectivity as well. But for the most part, I think it boiled down to they were good, and that meant they were the team that was on television in the United States when soccer was not. So they were the team that I ended up sort of gravitating towards. So it was a case of you could actually watch them more than any yep. other team in that case, then, Taylor. And I, I don't remember being able to watch anyone else. Maybe that's just my, like, bias now, but I remember... B- like, as a kid, being like, oh, it's Manchester United again. Who is this Manchester United team? Oh, they're on again. Like, it was sort of like, it wasn't like there was like, who's this Arsenal team? Or who's this Liverpool well, team? I remember it being Man United every week. Taylor, they were technically playing someone else each time you watched them. So you could have watched those other teams in fairness. Yeah, but, but- they were beating that team every week. <laughs> <laughs> PBS, I didn't, I'm, I've, I haven't been in the US as long enough to appreciate that soccer used to be on PBS. Was it with, uh, in between sort of old British sitcoms, they chose some games? That would games. be my guess. Yeah, we didn't have cable until I was in high school. So I think it was like Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC, and then PBS were our five channels. Okay, so Taylor landed on Man United because he's very old and used to watch them on PBS. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Joseph, how did you land on your team of choice? Yeah, so my situation is maybe a little bit different than the rest of you guys. So I would call myself a loose Phoenix Rising fan. And I'm, I'm being so cautious here because I've spent almost as much time covering Phoenix Rising as I have been, quote unquote, a fan of the team. So they are my local professional soccer team here in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where I've been born and raised and where I still live now. And so there is that local connection. And that's that's how I would link myself to this team. The challenge is, before it was Phoenix Rising, it was Arizona United, and they they played in a spring training baseball stadium in, in Peoria for a few years at least, and my awareness of that team was very, very low. I would liken them to sort of a spring training baseball vibe and level of popularity in the Valley. That changed as the team rebranded and got new ownership, and that's really when I became increasingly aware of them and started to watch a lot of the games and, and, and feel for them. And then I started covering the team in person. And I, I feel at least that it's a little bit awkward to support a team while you cover them. I know there's a lot of different perspectives out there, and I'm not going to tell a media member how to do their job. But I, I, that was a little bit of an awkward relationship for me. And so I kind of set my fandom aside while I covered the team. And now I don't really cover them anymore, but it's it's hard to pick it back up again. So I'm in this weird middle ground of still caring about the team, but I don't have all that much time to watch them anymore. And it's not entirely a priority, but I still know and am connected to some of the people at the club and, and I want them to do well. So that's my my rambling bit on Phoenix Rising. <laughs> Well, I think you've raised an important point there, Joe, even if unintentionally, that it's okay not to have a club. Um, I, I get asked constantly by, by, by American folk, um, when I tell them who I support, they say, yeah, who's your Premier League team? Mm-hmm. Who do you watch week in, week out? I'm like, no, I don't have a Premier League team. It's, it's okay to enjoy a league and to enjoy a top-class soccer without having a team to pull for in particular. People 
do feel impugned to pick a team and you'll see these Reddit threads or articles on NBC Sports about here's how to pick your team. If you like the Browns, you love Newcastle because they both suck and that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, there's lots of those kind of things. Uh, and yes, hurtful. it does. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I Brown fan over here. Hurtful. <laughs> Taylor, you're good now. It's OK. You'll be all right. Uh, I, I don't think they are, but okay. I appreciate that, Jay. <laughs> all right. Whatever. Okay, that, that was just pulling an example from the air, Taylor. <laughs> but uh, um, the, the point being that, you know, you don't have to really passionately pull for a club to enjoy the sport in general. Uh, Graham, how about you? How did you land on your team? Yeah, so I, I sport Sterling Albion. We play in the bottom tier of the Scottish uh, professional pyramid. And the reason I support them is, is largely uh, geographic. It certainly started out that way. So they were the closest league club to where I grew up. So that as a, when I was a football mad kid growing up, I would get the bus with some friends to, to watch their games. You would either go to Fourth Bank, which is where Sterling Albion play on the bus, or you would go to the shopping center. And I didn't really like the shopping center much. So it was, it was, it was Fourth Bank or nothing. And it helped that around that time I started making that journey and going to those games that Albion were pretty good at that time. They were winning promotion to the second tier fairly regularly. They kind of, they kind of bounced between the third and second tier quite, uh, quite often, but. The first season I really started supporting them, they had a strike force of Jay Rodriguez and Robert Snodgrass, um, two players who went on to play in the, in the Premier League in England. They had a goalkeeper, Ian Turner, who he um, got a transfer to Everton. He got some Scotland call-ups at that, uh, not at that time, but he went on to have some Scotland call-ups. So basically what I'm saying is it helped that I was going to watch a winning team around that time. And I guess that fandom was reinforced into my teenage years when the fans bought the club that was kind of my late teens that happened but the fans bought the club and that was quite an exciting time as well and I actually got involved with helping the club a bit more with some social media duties like writing the program and handling the social media accounts I did that for a while and I think once you have that involvement at a club that you supported as a kid as well that kind of stays with you and while I do find it quite difficult particularly during COVID I was one of the few people who actually um, with the situation around going to games that was better for me because I actually got to stream their matches live um, and that normally doesn't happen so as much as I don't see them as much as um, I'd like to they're certainly the club that is uh, closest to my heart. And Graham, you said you picked up Sterling Album when you were a kid. Um, forgive me if I miss this detail. Was there um, a parent or someone who brought you into the team or did you kind of find no. them on your own being local? So my, my mum and dad are not football fans at all. And my granddad liked football, but he was a Dunfermline Athletic fan. Um, I don't really know why I didn't pick that up off of him. I, just, I didn't. But um, yeah, my parents are more into tennis than football. I, I do. I am a tennis fan as well. So I picked that up, up off them. But I had a completely blank slate to pick a team from in terms of uh, being a football fan as a kid. Wow. So they're the Scottish people who don't like football. Good to know. I'll note that down. <laughs> um, I, I asked that because my way into my team, my team is AFC Wimbledon. And I kind of feel like I didn't pick my team. It picked me. I didn't really have a choice because uh, of my dad. He was the one who introduced me to my team. He used to go to see Wimbledon since he was a little kid. It's where he grew up. I grew up in South London. I grew up in a Wimbledon household. So my link to my team is my link to my family. And I don't I, I, there's no other way I could have done it, basically. I couldn't have brought any other shirt home to my house. Like, it, it wouldn't have worked, uh, I'm afraid. And uh, as we've discussed previously on a, on a different Soccer 101, uh, I am now a team owner, as you are, as you've discussed as well, Graham, of your respective mm -hmm. team as well. So that's my story. We've all kind of come to our teams in different ways. That's quite interesting, isn't it? So why don't we get to the kind of the factors that we value or that our listeners should value in deciding on a club. And I think the first one is something we've touched on. It's geography. Uh, Graham, I don't know if you know the 
British comedian Frank Skinner, but he has in his yep. book he describes how he picked his team, which is West Brom, I believe. Uh, he's yep. from the Midlands of England. He said you get a like a protractor or you get a ruler on a map and you find the closest team to where your house is, and that's the one you have to stick with. And I think that's very, very old-fashioned uh, and not it very is. relevant in today's world. Yeah, and I, I think it's 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 quite. I, idealist maybe that maybe that would be a better you know a more fair soccer world if that was the case you know you'd have a pr- probably an e- more even spread of of fans but I'm never going to tell someone what club they should support and I also think that doesn't take into uh, account a number of factors we're probably going to mention that um, go beyond geography so yeah I think slightly old-fashioned but oh, admirable in a, in a sense I guess in a sense, it does feel a little old-fashioned. I think, Taylor, a way many people come to their teams, and you did inadvertently as well, is by their success. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid and I was at school in the 90s, um, I used to kind of resent all the Man United fans. No no disrespect to you, Taylor, but resent the Man United fans oh, no, in my including class. including you. I, I, you know, I was in London. <laughs> 200 and something miles away from Manchester and half the team were Man United fans. They'd never even been to Manchester. And that was that kind of didn't sit well with me. I don't feel the same way now, of course, because I was a child. But uh, And I, I supported a much smaller team. Um, but it ended up in that era. The point I'm yeah. getting to, Taylor, is that I had Blackburn fans and Newcastle fans in my, t- in my classroom in London because those teams happened to do well in one or two seasons in the mid-90s. So... Maybe the, the the moral of the story is you've got to be careful whose success you back. Yeah, I think I think that is definitely a key part of it. Is, is that directed backing? at Arsenal fans? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good example. Like like and Manchester United now that like yeah, if you're picking a team because they're good right now, they are not necessarily going to be good always, and then you are sort of potentially stuck with a team that you don't have that much connectivity. Too, and I do think you're right, Ryan, that, that there is a huge amount of bandwagon fandom. And, and yeah, like I would be lying if I said, like, I, I like them for any other reasons other than because, like, they won, at least early on. Kids want a team that's going to win and they can feel like, yeah, we're doing it. We're part of it. We say we a lot. But in reality, eh, you're not really that big of a part of it. And yeah, I know plenty of, of people who were a fan of this club until they got really bad and then they moved to this club and then that club. And I think, there is certainly an element of like pick a team that you enjoy watching and that you think is is fun to watch. But I would also say no one really cares if you're a fan of a club like that. That is the thing that I think we tell ourselves, or at least I did of like everybody. Like, that's why I would introduce myself as like if I was talking to a soccer person, it's like, yeah, I like Manchester United. But like, I promise it's not just because they're good. Like, I like this guy and I like this player. And this thing always meant a lot to me. And there's this thing. But like. People don't really aren't that interested in it. And I would say that you can take your time and watch a bunch of different games and decide who seems to pull your attention. Who are you interested in for whatever reason? Do you like the colors of the club? But also, the manager seems cool. or This person's been there for forever. I think it's okay to take your time and sort of slowly find yourself gravitating towards a club or a team as opposed to just arbitrarily picking somebody because they resonated in that moment. I did that with Auburn for like three months when I was 16. I was definitely going to be the biggest Auburn fan ever. And then they were bad. And I was like, never mind, moving on to another team. Taylor, you mentioned um, having to caveat uh, telling people when yeah. you support Manchester United. Does, yep. does that make you question your life choices at all? What do you mean? <laughs> You're like, well, for which I of the many United, reasons, I, I guess. Oh, it's not I mean. for any particular reason. It's not because they're super successful. Well, no, it's just if you talk to somebody, especially somebody with an English accent, and the, like because for a while it was still 
up until, you know, you used to not be able to find it on, on television as much. And when you could, it was on three different networks and you had to kind of check the listings and see which game was where. I, I feel like I'm complaining to people who still mm. have to deal with issues like that in Graham and Ryan. Uh, but yes. Like, so when you would find somebody who had an English accent randomly in suburban Virginia, you could kind of assume that there was going to be some passing interest in in football. I knew to call it that. Uh, but then as soon as I would say I was a Manchester United fan, there was just a look. There was that look of like, of course you are. And and at that point, like you want to distinguish yourself, I think, because otherwise you're just seen as like some fraud who doesn't know what they're talking about. And even though I was a fraud who didn't know what I was talking about, I didn't want other people to know that. That was the key thing. How about, um, we've talked about success, Taylor, but how about the history? Is history important uh-huh. to picking a team? I ask because I think it's, it's quite an important thing to an American in particular. Uh, I live in Rome and it's full mm. of American tourists because there's lots of old buildings mm. and they appreciate history and that's a good thing to appreciate. So is that an important factor, do you think, uh, if you're going to pick someone like Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or a team that goes a long way back and has a storied past? Yeah, I think so. I think for me, it is certainly it, it's it's that it's the history of success on the pitch. But I think there's like the Manchester United Leeds War of the Roses connections always w- was really interesting to me. And I think it can help you understand the history of a city or a region or a country. And I and I really enjoy that aspect of it. And that's the same for uh, like the clubs in Turkey, where like Galatasaray started in a certain part of Istanbul at a certain time, and were meant to reflect this certain value of the time period, and and I just like think that's very interesting to see where the club started or why they started and how they developed and how they sort of grew over time. I remember as a Manchester United fan being really interested in their rail r- railway connections and learning about that because I didn't know that at the time that it was all like railroad. Uh, workers would form their own clubs and then play each other. And I remember thinking that was incredibly cool. And sort of that, those little nuggets of history, I think, do have like a strong appeal to me in terms of uh, how, deciding or getting into teams. How, how much did you care? That's a genuine question. Though. How, you, you surely didn't care that much about that as like a 12 year old, though. Like that, I, al- yeah. I always think, like, if, yes, those are things that if you were picking a team in adulthood, you would probably care about. In fact, definitely care about in my. Uh, from my point yeah. of view, but when I look out the you know the window at the kids playing football out in, yep. in, in the street, you know they're playing, and I'm not saying these clubs don't have history; they just maybe don't have the history of some of their rivals. Mm-hmm. But the number of PSG shirts, the number of Manchester City shirts, yeah, you know, and I, I just I can't envisage that as much of a consideration for them. They just really care about if they can watch the team and if they're good, as we've discussed previously. Yeah, that was always really weird when I was coaching like younger kids and they were showing up in PSG and Man City jerseys. And it was just like, what? Like, why? why? No, that's not how this is supposed to be at all. But yeah, I think, I mean, again, kids want to root for the big names and the teams that are going to go far in the Champions League and that they can watch all the time and and feel like they're they're winning. Everybody wants to support a winner, basically. And I think you have to s- sort of learn over time that it's not about like supporting the team that wins. It's that when the thing that you care about finds a way to win, then it really means something. Everyone wants to support a winner, says Taylor Rockwell, who evidently did not grow <laughs> up in Great Britain, Graham. <laughs> no. <laughs> there is that divide, isn't there? There, <laughs> there really is. is. There is. Uh, why don't we take a real quick break? When we get back, we'll talk about, um, Taylor mentioned the kids and their uh, the their way they pick their teams and way they may maybe even support players over teams. We'll be back shortly with more on this one. 
That's the sound of another Shopify sale, because today's Soccer 101 episode is, not surprisingly, brought to you by Shopify. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business, so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. I mentioned this last time, but my brother-in-law and sister-in-law run a shop here in Richmond called Dear Neighbor. You can and should find them online if you want. And they attest that the Shopify noise is a very comforting thing to hear, to know that sales are happening even when you're not physically standing in the shop. They could be happening at all hours, and that means the money is coming in. Shopify lets you connect with your customers, drive sales, and manage your day-to-day much more easily. And they have thousands of integrations and third-party apps, from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced advanced chatbots, and beyond. So go to shopify.com slash soccer101, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. So grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash soccer101 right now, shopify.com slash soccer101, all lowercase, to see what they have on offer and get a free 14-day trial. Thank you very much to Shopify for sponsoring today's episode and for the lovely sound effect. Soccer 101, we are back. We are talking about picking your favourite club. But Joe Lowry, it has come to my attention that the youth of today, of which you are one, um, sometimes (laughs) don't necessarily pick their team that they like. They follow a player. So you get a club like PSG signing lots of megastar players because they attract younger fans. This is, uh, this is how I believe it works these days. Maybe it's the FIFA generation, Joe. Is there a trend or is it perfectly acceptable to follow a player or players instead of a team? I think it's true that a lot of young people do tend to support a player over a team in the social media era where we can watch little highlight eight-second clips of those players all the time whenever we want does lead to that happening more. I bet it has happened throughout history, but I'm, I'm guessing it does happen more now than it used to before. To be honest, I don't really have a huge issue with that, given that I don't support a club very much either. And so that's just another way of going about and enjoying and consuming soccer. It's not how I mm. choose to do it. But in a sense, those of us that follow the U.S. men's national teams or, or other national teams out there that care about those players, we do kind of do something similar. I mean, I watched a lot of Schalke when they had Weston McKinney and then he left for Juve and then Matthew Hoppe was kind of a, a thing there for a while. And now he's at Mallorca. And now I don't really watch watch Schalke anymore. I never had a a real fandom or real connection to that team outside of those specific players, Mm. but it's not entirely different than than kind of what we're describing here. So there is a challenge when players leave those teams and and you felt really attached to that team and now you have to remove yourself and follow them to the next club, etc., etc. I think a lot of the the Ronaldo and Messi fanboys, fangirls tend to do that. And and that maybe is a little bit of a challenge and you don't ever really get to feel like you're a part of something, Mm. but I don't I don't think it's my place to necessarily criticize those people. Joe, you, you referenced something that I was going to mention there, which is links to a club through nationality of a player. And in my experience, that is quite a common route into supporting a club. So for example, um, I was watching tennis the other day. Alexei Popperin, who is an Australian tennis player, he's sitting down um, at the side of the court. I notice he has a Everton bag beside, beside him. I'm thinking that's quite unusual. He's a young guy. Everton haven't been good <laughs> for his lifetime. He's Australian. That seems quite strange. O- the obvious connection there is he's a giant Everton fan because of Tim Cahill. Used to play for Everton when he was growing up. And mm. I think it, as a Scot, you get a lot of Scottish Liverpool and Manchester United fans because they had great Scottish players and managers through the years. And I'd imagine 
there's a lot, uh, you know, clubs like Borussia Dortmund, I imagine, are pretty popular with American fans at the moment, given the, the, the American players, you know, Pulisic and then Gio Reyna that they've had recently. So I think that's quite a common way for fans who aren't geographically, geographically close to a club to then uh, gain an attachment to that club. Yeah, and I think that maybe it's two different things, Graham. The, the the art of supporting a player over a club or using a player to introduce yourself to a club, I suppose. Uh, and I think in in America, for example, there's a lot of Fulham and Tottenham fans because of you know Brian McBride and Clint Dempsey and mm-hmm. so on. And that's that's a perfectly legitimate way to find yourself uh, supporting a team. I would say you with me, Taylor. I am definitely with you these days. I think that's the the struggle I have with answering these questions is that like if you asked me this 10 years ago, I would be hard and firm in my like, no, pick a team and go with them. These days I am a little bit more like, yeah, support them or don't support them. But I do (laughs) think following a player, especially a national team player, is a good way to do that because if there's somebody that you really enjoy uh, on the field, off the field, whatever it might be, but if you sort of have this connection to this player that you want to support, you want to root for, they go to a club and then you follow them there and you're watching their games and maybe you start to enjoy that team or you enjoy another player on that team and then you follow that player. Like, I think it can be an organic process. It goes back to my point that, like, you're not on a clock. No one is sitting there waiting for you to pick a club so that then everything can proceed. Like, it's basically take your time and just sort of, like, I would say do it organically. Watch a game because there's an American involved, if that's the the country you're supporting. And then maybe that team or the team they're playing like is is particularly enjoyable. And then you watch them again next week and you stick with it, or maybe not, and you go back to another player. Like I think that is definitely a great way to do it. I think that's increasingly more common as people mm-hmm. support the U.S. national team here, and then maybe they support a, a club, sort of, or one player, sort of. But I think the national team seems to be the team for a lot of people. Um. I'm I'm guilty of that with basketball, so I can't be snobbish at all about this sort of thing. So I'm I'm a fair weather basketball fan and don't really start watching until the playoffs. But I'll always look out for. I know this isn't particularly original, but I I always look out for LeBron. I don't support the Lakers, but I certainly know more about them since he joined them, and I know less about the Cavs since he left them. So I, yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty common in like modern fandom for yeah. that to happen. And I was reading that. Um, when Cristiano Ronaldo signed for Manchester United, they gained a million Instagram followers within two hours of him signing for the club. Wow! And when and when he left Real Madrid, they uh, they lost a million Twitter followers. So maybe there's just a one million Cristiano Ronaldo uh, fans <laughs> who just follow him wherever he goes and just following his, his clubs on Instagram as soon as he uh, as soon as he signs for them got a lot of employees maybe it's that graham um, yeah, potentially something that maybe is less popular a less popular way of finding your way into a team graham and one i'll bounce past you is is it uh, permissible to follow a team or is it common to follow a team because they stand for something um maybe it's like fc united of manchester forming uh, as a result of a protest from the glazer family forest green rovers being very environmentally mm-hmm. friendly or maybe if it's a team that um aligns with your own ideologies if there's a particularly left-wing team that you'd like to follow if you uh if you storm the capital maybe you'd like to follow a team with an interest in fascism like lazio or real madrid <laughs> um what, what do you think of that Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, you've, you've thrown me in the deep end with how you ended that question. Uh, Sorry, I went too deep on whether, that. whether it's legitimate to support Lazio because of fascism. But um, generally, taking your question as a whole, yes, it is legitimate in my eyes to support a club for what they stand for. I think in Scotland here, you know, Celtic always pride themselves on them kind of football for all and welcome them all into the into their community and if you've come into that club through through that route i think that's uh, very admirable and 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 yeah i would definitely advocate that excellent taylor 
Is there a reason to avoid a club? Uh, is there a team we should not support or a kind of team we should not support? I mean, again, it's always going to come to like what your just say Liverpool are. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, like I, I, I respect everything Liverpool have done, both historically okay, and recently. <laughs> but uh, maybe City, maybe City. But, like, I just want Newca- the sound by Taylor. Come on, yeah. uh, Newcastle would be the one for me right now. That would be like, and I think we've talked about this previously. If you grew up a Newcastle fan, if you are from Newcastle, I don't begrudge you anything. I like that. That to me. Like I, I get why you would be excited to have new ownership and new ownership who seem like they are very likely to flood that club and that city with money. But if you are not from that area, choosing to support Newcastle now is a, is effectively not just being a glory hunter. It's also being a glory hunter to a regime that I personally don't have much love for. So I, I think th- there is an element of like you at the very least have to know what you're getting into. Ryan, to your joke about Lazio, like there are reasons to enjoy the Lazio team that they do play interesting football, that they are sort of an, a lesser known, a less heralded club in Serie A. They don't have that sort of, they're not one of the clubs you immediately point to the way you would with, say, Juve or Milan or Inter. And so there are reasons to like them. But I think if you're choosing to support Lazio, you have to know that there is some baggage there and that there might be a person who sees you wearing a jersey and thinks, are they wearing that because they like a semi-obscure Italian club or are they wearing that for political reasons and so i think you there's there is an element of you have to kind of in my opinion know those things just because otherwise you don't know what you are supporting or what you're endorsing it's it's similar apparently now i'm only going to ever reference ted lasso again but there's that episode with like the player who i'm keeping it vague the player who is in a photo shoot for a sponsor and then like excitedly shows his parents and his parents are like, what? They're ruining our country. And like, you do sort of need to know those things in my mind to be able to kind of talk about your club in a way that isn't going to make people immediately be suspicious or concerned for you. Yeah, being aware of the baggage is important. My best friend is a Millwall fan, for example, um, whose fan base does not have the greatest reputation. He is not someone who will be a hoolie and uh, and, uh, ruin society in any way. But uh, Bushwackers? <laughs> is that Millwall? Millwall what? Are they the Bushwhackers? Isn't that was that a their... WWF um, partnership, wasn't it? <laughs> I thought it was. I thought Chelsea were the headhunters. Millwall were the Bushwhackers, or were Millwall ICF? I forget. Either way, I watched Green Street Hooligans and the Football Factory once. Yeah, I'm not as uh, up on my firms as I should be, perhaps, Taylor. But um, yeah, you, you have to be aware you. of that kind you. of thing. And you have to be aware that sometimes when you're wearing a shirt, it does have connotations. There is baggage. There is some meaning behind it, uh, which leads me to the fact that there was a soccer fan in Charlotte um, who wears an MK Don shirt. Um, oh and I think oh boy. <laughs> you are free to support whoever you want. As I said at the top of the show, it's arbitrary which team we follow, isn't it? It's just, it's just a game, and it's arbitrary that we follow one team over the other. But if you've made the choice to wear an MK Dom shirt, you've made the choice to follow something that's morally reprehensible, and shame on you, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're uh, passing judgment at all. No, no. Well, It, it, it kind of hits different, doesn't it? Because that team was formed in very controversial circumstances by killing another team, by franchising another team away. Uh, it's quite unique in the soccer landscape it's not as like it's not like Tottenham fans hating Arsenal fans it hits a little differently and uh, I think yeah I, I have nothing more to say on the matter that um just avoid MK Dons I think is the uh, <laughs> the one message I'd like the listener to take away from this episode if that's okay uh gents before we finish I'd like to look at the rules of fandom mm-hmm. the loose rules of fandom and the uh the loose rules of picking well, I think your you've team. already set those rules out Ryan no <laughs> MK Dons we've made we've made one we've <laughs> established one. one rule 
I'll start <laughs> with you, Graham. Is it okay to follow a team because you like its kit? Um, I get, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that hesitation was Graham knowing he shouldn't say yes, but also knowing that okay. the answer is yes. <laughs> As I, going back to what I say at the start, you know the reason the reason you start supporting your team tends to be quite arbitrary and tenuous. So if that's the reason that you got into supporting that team, then fire away. That's that's fantastic. But I would say that if the only reason you support the team is for the kit, then maybe you don't support the team really you just like the fancy pattern (laughs) (laughs) fair enough joe is it okay to change your support of a team oh oh ryan that hurts um (laughs) i I would say yes like there are things that could happen that maybe you wouldn't agree with from a moral standpoint or from a worldview standpoint that would then encourage you to change your team there are other things that could happen as well that that might be the biggest thing that comes to mind so while i think it would probably have to be a more extreme circumstance than just ah this team's bad i'm tired of them and then i'm gonna move on i i do think it is it's permissible not that it's really my place to say but yes taylor you agree yeah, I think to both of those. And I think it always comes down to me for like how vocal you are. That if you are saying like, I love Borussia Dortmund, they're the best club in Germany, I'll never support anybody else. And then you ask why they like them and they're like, oh, I like their jerseys. Like that, that is not going to get the job done. And I think similarly, I will see that sometimes of a person on Reddit being like, I used to support uh, Arsenal, but I just can't agree with the way the club is being run. And now I support Chelsea. And it's like, nah, that ain't going to work. Like it cannot, it has to be more than just oh the team i like isn't good anymore so now i like a new team all right taylor another one for you Mm. Uh, this is one i have changed my mind on throughout my soccer fandom is it okay to support more than one team i mean i do so yeah i think so that does seem to be a more if you grew up with a club i think the answer is no it seems to be but for me who grew up in richmond we tend to root for like people in Virginia seem to root for the Dallas Cowboys or Washington teams is how it tends to work. And so I had the Richmond Kickers, I had DC United, and then I had Manchester United. When I moved to Turkey, I had Galatasaray. So I, I think a lot of it depends on life experience. But if you've grown up in a city that is the institution, mm. no, I think you're probably sticking yeah. to the one. And I think there are, and this is just my personal opinion, I think there are some rules within that. So I would say, yes, you can support more than one team, but there are, for me anyway, some rules. So I think it would be funny if you supported two teams in the same league. Yeah. So I think the most common thing is to have someone who has basically a big team and a small team or a domestic team, you know, like a, a native team, a, cl- a team that's close to you, like you do, Taylor, with Richmond, and then you've got Manchester United, you know, a foreign team. I think it's uh, even within the, the one country, and I'm softening my stance slightly. I think if maybe you're opposite ends of the pyramid, um, it, I could I could maybe accept that. But if you're in the same league and your team is your two teams are meeting each other regularly, then for me that's a big no no. So it's, it's the same as ownership, Graham. If you can uh, you can support two teams that you could in theory <laughs> own, is that right? <laughs> yeah, but Red Bull find ways to get around that. So. <laughs> <laughs> they do, and I say that I I, ch- I softened my stance on this because my opinion growing up and into my twenties, I suppose, was I'm a Wimbledon fan. I'll never be anything else, and it'll be fraudulent to try and like another team. But um, having lived in many different places and different countries, now I appreciate that it's okay to like 
teams in different leagues and uh, from different areas of the world. Uh, I am Charlotte FC till I die, of course, having lived in North Carolina for 10 years. But also, I really like Wimbledon FC. And now I live in Rome. Uh, I'm not that passionate about fascism, so I'll probably go for Roma at some point. I haven't <laughs> declared my uh, my feelings about a, an Italian team just yet. Uh, so maybe two is enough for me. But uh, I think it's perfectly okay to support more than one team. And I think that's a good rule that they shouldn't be able to uh, play each other at least on the reg. Um, one last question, I think, uh, Graham. If you support a team passionately, is it okay to wear another team's shirts, Graham Rudvin? <laughs> so, so, similar rule to the supporting the, the the two teams thing. You know, if it's a te- if it's a shirt in, in uh, of a team in the same league as your club, then maybe not. But as a man who owns. Uh, well, uh, I was going to say hundreds of shirts. That probably is accurate, actually. Certainly hundreds of pieces of merchandise with hoodies and everything included. Then I can't really, I can't really criticize anyone for, for, uh, having shirts of other teams, seeing as I have shirts of, um, most teams, I guess. I was going to say, Graham, I think I've seen you wear the shorts of one team and the shirt of another. Yes. Well, right now I'm wearing an Ajax shirt and Benfica track tracksuit bottoms, uh, and I've got I'm, I've got a Malmo tracksuit top on the back of my chair. <laughs> Who are you, Graham? Graham, <laughs> Graham Fashion Liability Ruffin is his new nickname. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think. I think my favorite part about this has been that we're learning is that like there's no true like hard and firm rules. It seems it's all shades of gray. Because I agree with Graham that like yeah, you can kind of wear what you want, but simultaneously like I have a, a Spurs hat that I was given that I really like, and I and I do wear often, and I often do get asked if I'm a Spurs fan or like like congratulated on a victory, and I often have to say like ah, I'm not really a big Spurs fan, but I like the hat. But I think part of that is rooted in that they're not a like historic rival, and whereas if somebody gave me a City hat or a Liverpool hat. I'm not going to be able to wear that. And I don't mean that I'm going to not wear it because people would be mad or like there's a rule against it. It's just like I would not feel like a good person wearing that hat. If you're a Liverpool fan, wear that hat, but then don't wear a Manchester United hat. That feels like you're rooting for like, the, uh, like, like, yeah, exactly. You can't do that. You can't have both of those things on at once unless you're trying to create chaos. Which maybe you are, and that's okay too, Taylor. That's okay too. So I think we've had a very interesting discussion about supporting clubs and supporting players as well in this podcast. Um, we're not being prescriptive here. We don't want to tell you what to do or, or, or uh, steer you in any particular way apart from, of course, don't follow MK Dons. That's the cardinal <laughs> rule to which all soccer fans should follow. Taylor Rockwell, anything more from you, sir, before we bid you adieu? No, just good to talk to you fellows as always, and I enjoyed the conversation. Likewise, but Joe Lowry, a pleasure as always, sir. Right back at you, Ryan. And and for the four of us, as if there was ever any way this podcast could have ended without Ryan saying, you know, don't support MK Dons. That was always going to be the conclusion. I'm just glad it played out just like we thought. Yeah, I just like to read out my tattoo inscription now and then, Joe. <laughs> That's all I like to do. Graham Rutherford, thank you very much, sir. No problem, Ryan. That was a fun one. It was indeed. Listener, hope you had some fun too. We'll be back with another one next week. Bye! 